Simple Andrea Tessman. Hi, Kirk Buckner. Kind of different now that we're doing this sort of face-to-face, huh? It's a little weird. I don't think I've seen your face in like four years or something. It just looks like every other white guy, really. Uh, not named Brad Pitt, I suppose. I kind of <laughs> see that I fall down on the pecking order. To fat Ricky Schroeder, who I think I look better than him now, if you've seen him lately. I'll give you that for sure. Yeah, also, I, I haven't harassed any Costco workers, if you've noticed what he's been up to. Oh, I have not. Most people haven't. That might be why he's harassing Costco workers. But we're not here to talk about Ricky Schroeder. I actually have another show tomorrow night where I'm going to bring him up. Just true. We are going to discuss... Oh, I'm so glad you picked this one. Bill Withers. Lean on me. The summer of 1972. I've been a fan of his for a long time, but I never did a deep dive into his career. And I guess maybe I wasn't that big of... I guess... I guess my fandom wasn't that huge. I learned so much stuff from learning about this very interesting man. I, um, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I love a few of his songs. Um, Lean On Me or Ain't No Sunshine is, you know, all time one of my top soul songs. Ultimate breakup song, really. Um, but yeah, I didn't, aside from the fact that I knew he kind of just dropped off the map in the mid 80s, I didn't really know anything about him. So this was fun. Yeah, and so I guess we'll just get started to right where we started. Uh, I incorrectly assumed that he was going to be from uh, uh, like Philadelphia, New York, Chicago, Detroit. I don't know. Uh, just because he's got that deep soul vibe to him. I did not expect a West Virginia route. And from a town I've never heard of, I can't even remember the name of the town. Uh, Bend or something like that. Pork Bend, Pig Puke. I mean, it, I mean, it, whatever it is, it's just like something that. It, it's a it's a mining town through and through to the point yeah. that there was even like all of the houses were owned by the mine and and the company store that was owned by the mine. Like these people were literally slaves to the mine. Mm-hmm. And so we have Bill Withers who. Working class guy. Uh, I thank you so much for sending me sending me that documentary today. It's pretty great, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you tell everyone about that documentary, that they should really see search out, which I can't believe hasn't gotten more press. I didn't know anything about it, and then as I was looking stuff up, there's a documentary called Still Bill, which is the name of uh, one of his albums. I can't remember when that album was Second released. Album. And basically, it, it follows him around. It starts off with an interview from him in the 80s. And then um, it moves to, well, I mean, I think it's from 2015, but to more current day, interviewing him and his family, you know, 10, 20 years or so. Can't do the math on that. After he, um, after he has has left the music industry. Um, and it kind of just, just shows that he's just a normal guy. So his life, basically he, um, he got out of school uh, and wanted to get out of buttfuck nowhere. And so he joined the military and he became an aircraft mechanic um, and did nine years in the military. And then he got out of the military and he had a stutter his whole life. So he realized that if he wanted to make anything of his life, he had to get rid of his stutter. So 
before he got out of the military, he did a lot of work on himself and like figured out the triggers for the stutter that was mostly self-confidence, dealt with that. Then um, he got a job as a, he, he made toilets for Boeing's. So I guess he used his aircraft mechanic and got a serious downgrade to a job building toilets for airplanes, earning $3 an hour. And one day he was in a bar and realized that the owner, manager, whatever was bitching because whichever person was supposed to be coming, earning $2,000 a week was late. And he's like, screw this, I'm gonna become a musician. <laughs> he literally just went out and bought a guitar and um, started learning how to play. Yeah, self-taught. He, so he, he was 32 before he actually started to really play music, mm -hmm. which is way older than you'd expect. And I think it gave him a very humble um, outlook on the whole thing. I, I think that's also a refreshing change from a lot of the people we've discussed. You would think that we would have come across that with last week's subject, Tiffany, uh, who also did not come across uh, certainly arrogant and, and self-entitled, which I don't want to say I would have given her a pass if she did, because I, I hate that attitude. But I think when you sort of hit it big later in life, you're at a bigger position to handle it. It's probably why a lot of young athletes go broke. You become a multimillionaire at 20 and you're useless by 28. Yep. Well, and you see it with a lot of so many young stars that just burn out. They, uh, you know, for whatever reason, usually get involved with drugs and alcohol or just get too high on themselves. And mm -hmm. it's an unfortunate reality of, of fame, I think. So I think with Bill Withers, he just, his personality had developed before he got into music. And he, um, when Ain't No Sunshine um, started getting airplay and becoming popular, he refused to quit his job building Mm -hmm. 747 toilets because he figured it was just bleeding and nothing was going to come of that any further so it's um yeah even watching that documentary he's he's making jokes the whole time yeah. you know he's talking about building toilets and he talks about how he was putting cameras in them so if you've ever taken a <laughs> dump on a 747 he knows you intimately like so he's he's got wit to him you know, I guess you've seen a lot of drunken people stagger into that toilet and just lean on it when they weren't. <laughs> Strong. <laughs> yes. Come for the come for the insight, stay for the bad jokes. If they're here and have listened to more than one of these episodes, they yeah. uh, definitely yeah. are okay with bad jokes. And I think that's what I also love about Bill, too, is just the, how humble he was. And, he, and he, just even the jokes he was making in that documentary, we were talking about, like, okay, all of a sudden now I'm handsome. And he's not a bad-looking guy, but... <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, just, he's never could get a woman until uh, fame makes you really handsome. He, although it was sort of interesting. I think there's a few things that we didn't really learn about Bill that I, that I think there is a bit of a dark side here that just never really came out. I mean, he did sort of fall in a bit of that trap, but it was never talked about. He, his first wife was an actress who we don't learn really anything about. I couldn't really, I didn't, honestly, I didn't really look too much into her. 
I couldn't find much on her. Um, they were married. He said because he wanted to prove it to the people back home that he could marry one of those Hollywood act- actresses or something <laughs> stupid like that. They were, um, it was very, it was, I, something I read said it was, there was, it was abusive. I don't know in what sense or who was abusive towards whom, mm. but it was obviously a tumultuous, very short-lived marriage. I think it was less than a year. And then he did he did remarry, which I believe he stayed with until his passing. Yeah, Marcia, I think her name is. Yeah, yeah. Mar- so. Marcy, Marcia, something like that. And she's an MBA. She manages his business. Mm-hmm. Um, she basically is the one who has the say on licensing and all of that stuff. And um, I think she said that basically she and a friend walked into a show, went to go sit down at an empty table, it had a reserved sign on it, and it happened to be his table. So they started chatting, and that was that. Mm-hmm. Just kind of a nice, down-to-earth kind of story. She was She's quite a bit younger than him. I think he must have been close to 40, and she was in her early 20s, but mm-hmm. that's neither here nor there. It, it, it worked um, out. And they're happily married still. Yeah. Well anymore well yeah yeah till he died last year let's yes. say yeah so i guess i guess the this was his second hit because as you mentioned ain't no sunshine went number three uh th- or was it number oh, two? yeah i thought it was two Could have either been. way it right. did well it did well yeah i mean it, it did well i i would argue that i think it might be the song he's now most known for i mean for a long time it was lean on me i think um, I think because that travesty of the remake that we'll probably talk about, which also went to <laughs> one, um, I think that perhaps in some ways there's a lot of younger generations that don't necessarily associate Lean on Me with Bill Withers. Yes. Whereas of Nouveau. Ain't No Sunshine is Bill Withers. I don't know that anyone, I'm sure people have covered it, but I don't know that anybody's really done a... Mm-hmm. well-known, well-done cover of it. Yeah, I, I do have a, a few things to say about the Club Nouveau version when we get to it. Uh, <laughs> well, why don't we get to it? Should we just fast forward right to that and then come back to this song? Yeah. All right, let's do that. In a vacuum, if you didn't know what the original was, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't. It was peppy and happy and... You know, the original is about, it's about brotherly love and friendship, and it's about loving your neighbor and, like, support. Mm-hmm. Whereas Club Nouveau is more about being there in the good times. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like they're, like, you're, you're right. Uh, Bill Withers' version, it could be anywhere from, all right, you just lost your house in the tornado. Uh, we're going we're gonna to help you out. Uh uh, oh, 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 in the coal mine, yeah, somebody died. All right, well, I'm gonna be there for you, and uh, I'll go. Yeah, Love Nouveau's yeah. version is like, oh shit, I, I, I thought you were gonna get her, get her number, dude. Yeah, and I, I kind of got that like, well, that, that terrible, we be jamming, like, yeah, the, oh, that just ruined the song. Like you were doing okay, why did you have to add in that fake reggae BS? Because they couldn't help themselves. <laughs> they just could not help themselves. They thought, you know, we're, we're really going to tap into this. Uh, we're going to tap into this whole Jamaican beat. 
And that's going to, you know what? They went number one with it. So, and we don't ever have to talk about it because technically we just did. That was kind of it. I, I just found it wasn't terrible. It was probably my first memorable exposure to that song. Um, and parts of it are still, when I hear that song, part, certain parts still stick in my head over Bill Withers. There, but, there's something though to be said though, when you do a remake that that's popular, people will seek out the original. And when, and when they did well, and, the movie 1989, like two, a couple years later, you know, they were referencing that version of the song. They were, I, I was going to do my dramatic reading of Morgan Freeman's, uh, you smoke cat crack, don't you? You don't want to live. Jump off the, I, I forgot the damn thing. I even looked up the damn the script and I couldn't have, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Yes, you do. Yes, you do, Sims. Yes, you do, Sims. You smoke crack. Uh, Morgan Freeman did very well after that. I don't think we ever saw Sims again. I don't think so, no. Because in, in the um, post-credits, Morgan Freeman did throw him off the, throw him off the school. Well, I think so. Did they do post-credits in movies that, that time? Like, Well, it, it's, it's an Easter egg. You just got to keep going on the VHS. It was there. I think it was there. Uh, I believe it. Yeah. But my opinion of the Club Nouveau version really is basically that it's all right. It's got too many claps and thuds and thumps that overtake the background track overtakes the melody in too much of it. Yeah, which there, is unfortunate. There, there, there's no, there's no soul to it no. at all. Um, having said that, I, I consider this like something that was two years away from being on the Pretty Woman soundtrack. You know, it's like that type of peppy shit about topics that really aren't that peppy. It just seemed to be all about pretty, yeah. you know, pretty woman. I mean, it's like, well, she's the prostitute that made good. She's a prostitute. This isn't exactly like even other songs like that. The king of wishful thinking. I'll get over you. I know. Well, because I'm the king of wishful thinking. I, I like sucks. Happy <laughs> beat. Yeah, it's at some point we have to really dust. Well, also, I mean, 1987 was great for remakes of old songs. Like, well, look mm -hmm. at our song last week with Tiffany and the, um, well, the week after that immediately followed, that was number one. Uh, was that Money Money? No, it wasn't Money Money. It was the other, um, the same, the same original band. Um, oh, La Bamba? Oh no, it was Money Money. It was okay. totally Money Money. Yeah. You know, so, it's sort of bad when you're saying, hey, which remake? And there's so many different possibilities <laughs> that comes up. Yeah. So it's um, it was it was the era of of remaking. It, it was, seems to just be the the formula for a number one hit in the late eighties. So Bill managed to remain relevant, or at least on the chart wise, almost despite I don't see despite himself to a certain degree, but partially, and that but mostly because you know, and he and he said this in the documentary that he wouldn't sell out, and he hated that word. Well sold out basically if you're selling out it means you're you're selling out tickets i mean you're doing something but bill withers was always true to bill withers without coming across like an asshole at least from what we saw yeah we're only getting I, one point of this view i in everything i read and in interviews and there was a lot of obit articles about him and it always seems like he was a 
pretty even keeled, honest, true to himself kind of guy. I, I didn't get any real impression that he was a dick. He probably wasn't, but you know, at the same time, maybe I don't even want to go here because at the same time, I'm lending credibility to the thought that, hey, maybe there's a record producer that wasn't an asshole. That's probably not true. I was going to say, everything in these stories really sounds like these record producers were assholes. Well, it sounds like the, his first label was decent, and let, you know, but it was, it was led by a black man mm-hmm. who let Bill Withers do what he wants, sing the style of soul that he wanted to sing, and not, um, not force him into any sort of archetype or mm-hmm. trope. Um, and then that label went under and he signed with Is it Columbia, Columbia, I think? Columbia? Might have been Columbia. Doesn't matter. They're like you, you know, like they all merged and separated yeah. and merged and one it seems to be the same as the others. But um and at that point they were trying what did he call them? The black spurts? <laughs> the the white dudes that had some major insight into black culture and they were trying to tell him he needed horns and he needed a certain length intro and he needed this and that and the other thing and he basically was like nope i ain't doing that that he did have like one pretty big hit in the what was it 77 lovely day was that under columbia i think it was yes so i think, I think thought, lovely, I lovely day and just just the two of us both were under columbia but he had a us, five though, really, that was more of a that was something that he produced and then collaborated with Grover Washington when he wasn't yeah. doing his own. At that point, he just was like, meh, I don't care. Yeah. And that's, I think, another great thing about him. He is so, so down to earth that he's not materialistic. And that's a, that's a very rare thing, because usually when, you come, when we come across that, it's this, it's all about love of the art, man. It's all about that. It's like, okay, I got, for, for, for Bill, it's like, all right, I got everything I need. I don't need to buy anything more. I'm going to raise my family. He also has a net worth of something like $40 million. And a lot of that is because he managed to it's, keep... It's royalties from, yeah. from decades of three or four really popular songs, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and you can bet when he retired, he didn't have that kind of money. But um, yeah, he basically just said, I mean, he had a five record deal. Mm-hmm. He put out records that he wasn't super happy with because he was forced to. Yeah, And then he's like, nope. I'm out, not doing this anymore. And he just backed off, walked away. He would have been early to mid forties. And to be fair, once you're in that range, unless you're in country, generally artists don't produce a lot of hits from their mid forties. Yeah, but soul soul and R&B artists will keep performing and putting out, they might not put out a ton of new material, but they'll keep touring for decades. I think that's the more interesting thing. I mean, like, I guess what I was trying to say is he was unlikely to get another big hit just because at at that age, a lot of people, because it's still a young man's game, you know, they weren't, it was, it's a lot harder to generate that type of success past 45. But to your point, he could have made mentoring, which he pretty much didn't do. No, he, and I think he said it in the documentary that he goes, he just lost the, the taste for showing off. That he just yeah. didn't, didn't want to do it anymore. One, one thing I, I sort of love about this, listening back to Bill Withers, all these great songs are 40, 30 years old. 
how awesome that they don't age. We, we've talked about songs much younger than that, that sound so dated. And there's mm-hmm. nothing about his brand of music that sounds dated in the least. Nothing to, to me. No. No, you could put out some of those songs now and they would be extremely popular. I could easily see one of, like, any one of those songs sort of like being used, not that there's a lot of big films anymore, but I mean, in, in a film or maybe in, like, has any one of those been used in Guardians of the Galaxy? Because we talked about that in one of our early shows, right? It's just like what that sort of did. That was one Brandy. of the first shows we did. Yeah, Brandy, you're a fine girl. And that just sort of like brought more, it's probably why I picked it. Yeah, I don't know, but Guardians of the Galaxy has phenomenal music, like across the board. They, they knocked it out of the park with that soundtrack. But yeah, I don't know if, uh, if any of his stuff has been. That's an interesting question. I don't think so. But I mean, again, it could be, you. I, I just could see it getting a new life, almost like, a, uh, what's that song by Journey? Don't Stop, you know, got another, got another run because of the Don't Stop Believing. Do you know I actually sort of compared it in a way Bill Withers to Journey when I was sort of doing this a bit? Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Like, how the hell did I do that? Bill Withers staggered his hits. Because even though Just the Two of Us was a Grover Washington, Bill Withers was all over it. And he got a lot of that. He got a lot of that. So he had, he never got too big. Journey, they would have one hit, one hit, one hit, one hit, stag. Like, their, all their hits are pretty much staggered over albums. I saw some old interview they did where they said, like, thank God we weren't Boston. They used up everything they had in the first album. They had nothing left. <laughs> yeah, Boston Greatest Hits is basically just the one album. Yeah, and yet the one that went number one is not from that album. Make sure you know, my dog is knocking, asking to be let in. <laughs> right. She gets quite demanding. Nah, it's all good. All good. Op- Opal wanted to be heard. She's uh, heard about Jasper sort of uh, crowbarring things on the show. Yeah. Hey, Opal. That's my dog. I kind of enjoyed that. So great things that we can do on video. Right? Yeah. So uh, any parting, parting uh, thoughts on Bill Withers before I tell you what monstrosity we've got next week? Well, I had one thought. And I mean, he... It appears that he was, through the last 30 years, actually recording things in his own studio. Never really stopped noodling around and doing stuff. And he's collaborated with a few different um, people doing stuff, I think mostly for himself. But mm-hmm. his wife made a comment that she wished he would put some of that out there again. So I'm really wondering if maybe in a couple of years um, when the grieving gets a bit easier if they'll put out an album of his post-career stuff. Maybe his daughter will do that because she was... Uh, Cause, yeah, because she's a, a writer, recording artist. I think it would be really interesting. So I'm kind of hoping that they do something with that. Yeah, so hopefully she does that, does not do it sort of the way that Natalie Cole did that with her, with her dad, which was basically Natalie Cole sings with her dad's dead friends. Oh, no, no she sang with her dad. <laughs> with her dead dad. No, yeah, sorry. Her, this, I'm thinking of a Saturday Night Live skit where they had, not, where they had uh, what's her name? Ellen Cleghorn pretend to be uh, Natalie Cole, and then it was just basically her singing with her dad's dead friends. And then, like, John Goodman comes out as Fat Elvis and shit like that. 
No, that was back when Saturday Night Live was funny. I don't know. That's a long time ago. That's a whole different uh, discussion. Yes, definitely so. Uh, oh, yeah, actually, one, the, I forgot to mention, because when you mentioned that the whole Black Spurts bit, uh, one of the, I think one of his uh, last things, the nail in the coffin, but it was, was when one of them wanted him to cover In the Ghetto by Elvis. Yes. And... <laughs> wow. I don't even know what to say. No. I actually like In the Ghetto, kind of, but it's a guilty pleasure because I feel like I shouldn't like it. Maybe because I just like the way Elvis can sort of belt that. Yeah. My dad's an Elvis guy, so I mean, like, there's, there's a bit of... I'm a bit of an Elvis apologist, even though I think that he was... There's a time and a place for Elvis. If Elvis didn't look like Elvis, we wouldn't know who Elvis is. There's... That could be said about a lot, 60 plus percent of, uh, of popular musicians, especially in the past 30 years, 40 years. All right, well, not who we're talking about next week. Oh dear. Okay, let's see if you can guess from this. Oh. Oh, Mickey, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind, hey Mickey. <laughs> I knew you were gonna get it as soon as I started. Can't think who the band is though. It's not a band. It's a, it's a one hit wonder named Tony yeah. Basil. That's right. And I've already done a bit of pre pre work on on her. This woman is fascinating. All right. Yeah, I I do. Uh, full disclosure, I hate the song. I'll talk about why I hate it next week. I can't hate her. I thought I could. I don't anymore. I don't anymore. This woman has had one hell of a life. All right. Well, I look forward to learning about her. That's some, probably something you didn't think you were going to, you were going to ever say, because I know you look through all the number ones and you've been passing that one over. I don't know. It's, there's a lot of number ones. I mean, we're there looking are. at 50 plus years of them. There are, uh, when we sort of get off, get through all, all the corny shit, we are going to look, rename the show. How the hell did this go? Number two. Because there's a lot of that also. Uh, yes, there is. And I think we'd find a lot of number twos that are pretty much number two. Yeah. You get the poop joke. That's all I was going for. No, no, you, you did it well, actually. I, I'm usually the one who does all the lowbrow shit. So, oh, lowbrow shit. See what I did there? All right, well, let, let's just uh, end this crappy situation. And call, right. and call it a show. Stay safe, everybody, wherever you may be. Good night, Kirk. Good night, everybody.